This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Welcome back to the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. I am here once again with my co-host, Leslie Bennett. It's good to be back, and it's good to be part of another great conversation. I just want our listeners to know that all of our guests are people who have impacted you and, by extension, impacted our church. Today's guest is no exception. You recently met him at a conference. Tell our listeners what you liked. Well, our guest today is Clay Smith, who's the lead pastor of Alice Drive Baptist Church in Sumter, South Carolina. And he gave this talk. I was at this conference, and we were, I was speaking, and he was speaking, and he gave this talk about the power of the invitation. And when I saw the title of the talk, I thought, oh, okay, here's somebody else from a traditional church in a southern state, and they're going to tell me that I need to have some stand up and sing 17 verses of Just Stand By As I Am, you know, and I'm thinking this is going to be the worst thing that I've ever heard. And it was the best thing. I mean, it was incredible. I came back and I told you, I have my notes. I was like, Leslie, listen to this. And it was just an awesome, awesome talk. And he talked about all the different facets of an invitation that our churches need to be offering to people in our community And I was inspired by it, encouraged by it. And there's just all this great content that I wanted to share with our listeners at Church for the Rest of Us. So uh, why don't we just go right into our interview with Clay Smith. All right. Clay, I'm so glad to have you on the podcast today. It means a lot to us that you're willing to share some time with us. Why don't we just jump into the conversation and why don't you just tell us about your family, something about your background, and then tell us about your church where you're serving right now. Well, thanks, Jimmy. It's a real joy to be on the podcast. This is definitely on my regular make sure and listen to every week. I am a native Floridian from a little town not too far that I think you'd be familiar with, Wachula, Florida. Oh, yeah. Oh, another Wachula guy. Yeah, we have a Wachula guy on our staff here at Family Church. Yeah. Joel McDonald. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up on a cattle ranch and citrus farm, and I still, uh, my brother, sister, and I still own that. Okay. So I have some deep, deep Florida roots. And felt called to ministry at an early age, went to Sanford University, went to Southern Seminary, thought I wanted to be a professor, got halfway through my PhD, realized I'm not an academic. (laughs) (laughs) That happens to a lot of us. So I pastored a couple of churches in Kentucky, and then I've been here at Alice Drive now 24 and a half years. Wow, what an incredible legacy. Now, are you a single guy? That's a pretty amazing thing. Am I a single guy? No. No. <laughs> I met my wife in seminary. I already knew and, the answer uh, to that. I was just, you know, jogging the conversation along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I met my wife in seminary. Uh, she is actually from South Carolina. She is a counselor, which is wonderful because that means anytime there's a, a an emotional dysfunction in my life, she can diagnose it for me. Oh, that's I bet right. that's Free a huge counseling. help. Yeah, yeah. wow. <laughs> and then we have three kids. My son, who's the oldest, just got engaged, and my daughter got married last year. Oh, man. And my youngest daughter has graduated from Clemson, and so everybody's off the payroll. Wow. That's a wonderful thing. That yeah, is wonderful. Yeah, good for you guys. That's fantastic. So tell us a little bit about your church there at Alice Drive. What's it like? Well, when I came 24 and a half years ago, it was sort of the typical, not First Baptist church in a small southern city. And in those days, we just we began to do a couple of things a little different, and so things, basic things like, you know, we would actually invite people to come to church. Yeah, that's <laughs> great. Yeah, it was kind of really strange. We would do follow-ups, 
you know, after people visited, and then God began to bless us, and the church began to grow. When I came, we had about 280 people, and now we usually, we have about 1,600 people on a weekend, and this is this is really of God because our town in the 24 years has only increased population by about 2,000. So this is not like the stories you hear sometimes of, you know, you're in the fast-growing suburb. This is really just, we continue to be able to see God move in a powerful way. We have uh, one traditional service on Sunday morning. We have two contemporary services, and we do a Monday night service wow. at 7 o'clock. Because seven, uh, 34% of our population around here, working population, works on the weekend. They can't come to church on Sunday. What a great idea. Yeah. How long that. have you been doing that Monday night service? We've been doing it now for about four or five years. And I have told other pastors, it's like, ditch your Sunday night service if you still got it, and do a Monday night service. And the people who need the Sunday night service can switch over to the Monday night service, but you'll also open up the doors for a whole different population group. So do you have people, I mean, we're not huge into numbers, but like how many people come to a Monday night service? I've never heard of that. Well, we have about 10% of our total worship attendance comes on Monday night. So for us, that's about 150 or Man, that is incredible. Yeah. And I tell you, everybody really should come to the Monday night service because the time by the time I've done the sermon three times on Sunday morning, you're cooking really good on Monday <laughs> That's night. Yeah, I bet. That's awesome. <laughs> well, so creative. So, Clay, I want you to talk to our listeners about the talk that I heard. You talked about the power of the invitation. Talk a little bit about what you mean by that. Well, Jimmy, when I, I read the scripture, what I see is over and over and over, God is inviting people to do something, and He's inviting people to go somewhere. It's always an invitation. So God invites Noah, build an ark. God invites Abraham, go to this land I'm going to show you. God invites Moses, lead my people. God invites David, be the king. Jesus invites Peter and James and John and Andrew to leave their boats and follow him. It's the most basic invitation that occurs in Scripture. And I think because that our God is an inviting God, we should be inviting people. And so I believe churches should issue what I have discovered as seven foundational invitations. And we need to be intentional about this because invitation is something that churches can naturally evolve away from because it requires intentionality. All right, Clay, so I think this whole concept, your seven invitations, are so, it's they're simultaneously obvious and innovative. So if you would, I'd like you to walk through those seven invitations with our listeners. And uh, Leslie and I can perhaps interact with you as you kind of do that. Why don't we talk about the first invitation? What's the first one that churches need to give? Well, the first invitation is the invitation of awareness, which basically is, hey, we're here. We exist. And, you know, if ever you think about church, we will come into your mind. A lot of churches will call this marketing or they will call it branding, but I like to think of it as awareness, and I think churches greatly overestimate how aware the community is about their existence. Now, we have this really weird thing because I'm at Alice Drive Baptist Church, and you would expect our church to be located on... Alice Drive. (laughs) I was going to ask you the question, but then... But in our 60 years, we have never been located on Alice Drive. (laughs) So we've got this confusing name, and I occasionally will go around, and this is a great thing for people, pastors to do, go to like a convenience store that's close to your church, walk in, buy a Diet Coke, take it to the counter and say, hey, by the way, can you tell me where Alice Drive Baptist Church is, or you know, whatever church you serve? And you will be incredibly humbled by how many people will look at you and say, I don't know where it is, or say, I've never heard of it. So, Clay, what are a few things that you all do to increase the awareness in your community? Do you have a couple 
key ideas that you could communicate to us? The things that really have the most impact are the free things, and that's word of mouth. Mm. So we try to constantly encourage our people to say, hey, why don't you mention to a friend this is going on at our church? That becomes part of our language. Uh, Social media is huge. And I know a lot of churches, they don't have a communications person, but you've got some teenager out there that is living on social media. Right. So enlist them as a volunteer. Some of it is, is the obvious things. I can't tell you the number of churches that I ride by, and I would have no idea what time their worship service is because it's not displayed anywhere. Yeah, so good signage. And so you kind of know how much traffic goes by your church every day, and you know, you're missing some just basic opportunities for that basic information. And finally, you would want to make sure, I think almost every church now has a website, make sure your website is correct and up-to-date. Mm-hmm. Again, I've gone to visit churches and gone to the time it said on the website, and guess what? Service started 30 minutes early. Right. And when I find that out, I turn around and go back to my car. And I'm a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you have the invitation of awareness. What's invitation number two? The invitation, second invitation is the invitation to be loved. And basically, we want to send mission, the message. We want to send a message to our community that we want something for you, not something from you. And granted, I stole that phrase from Andy Stanley, but <laughs> still, still a, from the best. Hey, I'm with you. <laughs> so I think particularly in this culture, when we have so many millennials coming up who want something authentic, they're looking to see, you know, are you actually engaging our community? Are you serving the less fortunate, the disadvantaged, the poor? Do you have anybody you're advocating for, or are you just trying to grow an institution? We did a focus group exercise with some new members, and I asked them for the reputation of different churches. And it is scary that in our town, the reputation of churches, nobody said the word, this is a church that wants to love people. Really convicting to me. So the way we do that is we do some community service days, some big events, and then we have a team of men, because you're always going to have in every church a group of men who they're not going to teach Sunday school and they're not going to take up the offering, and they don't dare ask them to pray. But give them a hammer and a piece of wood, and they can serve Jesus. So we have a group that goes out all about two or three weekends a month and builds handicap ramps. And the impact that that has with that one family is huge. So we continually try to do that. We've done things like the, the acts of kindness. We'll go to a gas station, you know, those kinds of things and buy the gas for different people just as a way to say, hey, we're a church that's interested in you and we want something for you. And so we're going to love you first and that before kind of, you do anything for us. And that connects very closely to invitation number three. Exactly. Because the third invitation is try church or try worship. You know, I remember when we first moved here, this was still a fairly church area. And so you went up to somebody and you said, hey, where you go to church? And everybody had an answer. But in 24 years, and this is South Carolina, we have seen it rapidly move to be from a church culture to a de-churched culture to an unchurched culture. So what we have to do is we have to remind people why worship actually matters. I love what Tim Keller said, that worship reminds us that there's another kingdom, here's what it looks like, and we come every week to worship to remind ourselves that kingdom is better. Mm. So we want to give people opportunities to invite friends to come to church and come to worship. And that's why we preach series. That's why we work on our titles for our series. When people actually come, we try to make sure that we're using language that reflects biblical truth but it's accessible. So, for example, if I'm using the word redemption, 
I will also quickly turn around and say this simply means God is buying us back, even though we were once his. Basic, basic concepts. We have found in our culture that cool doesn't really ring true very much. People want to know, is it real? Is it authentic? They'd rather sing songs they know that feel real than songs they don't know that are the coolest thing in whatever genre of music that they're doing. So those are some things that we're trying to do to make sure that we have a welcoming church when people come, but that people feel comfortable inviting their friends. And here's what I know. You know this too. If you're not comfortable with your church, you're not going to invite anybody to come. You got that right. Yeah. Or if you're embarrassed by it, you're not going to invite them to come. (laughs) Right. And I try to remember not, here's my good rule of thumb, Jimmy and Leslie, is if I embarrass my kids, I will embarrass a bunch of other people. So the goal is don't do anything my kids would say, oh, dad. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in big trouble then, Leslie. That's a big goal. Oh, man. (laughs) All right. So we get them to come to church. Now what? Well, then, and I think this is where a lot of us can take a misstep. Many of us think, okay, now we've got a church. So now we want to make sure we push them toward a salvation decision or we push them toward uh, church membership. I think a better next step is to say, hey, we want to give you an invitation to meet your needs. I didn't realize this. I'll start thinking about this. But Jesus never said to somebody, be my disciple and then I'll heal you. Jesus always heals people and then invites them to follow. And so for us, the primary platform that we do that through is group life. We call it life groups, Sunday school, small groups, whatever your platform is for group life. It really is a chance for people to be connected, have their needs met. Uh, We find the easiest place for people to step into group life is through needs-based groups. We're the home of a very large military base, and so we have lots of families who come here in the military. They're far from home. We offer regular classes on here's how to be married, here's how to be a parent, because these people are completely cut off from uh, any basis of support. That's meeting a need. Right now, one of the fastest-growing groups in our church is a grief group. Hey, you've lost somebody recently, come, we're going to walk you through some scripture, help you understand that that God is there with you. So group life, and I think you can just, you don't have to do a whole lot different probably than you're already doing in your church. You have to just make sure that you're saying, hey, this is a group that will meet your need. So what you do when somebody comes to visit is you invite them to join a group. That's their first step to get connected to your church. Do you have any kind of a connection class or anything like that, or you just ask them to join a group? What we try to do is regularly start new groups about every six to eight weeks that are going to hit some general hot topic areas and invite them to go to that specific group. Mm -hmm. I know churches that run the connection model and come to this and that will help you connect. What we have found is our people, you know, they'll go to the connection class and then they'll go, well, I'll try a group and then they'll get around to it. Right. So we think the faster we can get them connected to somebody like them. Because face it, we all walk into any group of people and say, is there anybody in this room like me? <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that's what we all want to know. Yeah. That's all right. Good. So we get them. We're meeting their needs. What's the next invitation? Well, the next invitation is to know Jesus. And I know this sounds just, we all should know this, but my conviction is life's better with Jesus than without Jesus. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us, even who are church leaders, we're not leaning deep and hard into that reality. I have to confess that I had a church member ask me not too long ago, uh, are you completely surrendered to Jesus? And I was like, well, no, not completely. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, well, why not? It was just incredibly convicting to me. And I think because we know our own failure to submit wholly to Jesus, 
that keeps us from inviting people to come to know Jesus. So we try to help people know it's okay not to have a perfect life. What you're describing is a relationship. And we want to put tools in the hands of our people that really are helpful. And we have found this really cool tool. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called the Three Circles. Oh, man. (laughs) Tell us about it. Does it work? Is it helpful? (laughs) It really is amazingly helpful. The guy who came up with this was a genius. That's right. All right. Now we know that you're you're not fully surrendered. (laughs) (laughs) So... I think, Jimmy, once I heard you talk about three circles, my mind latched onto it, and I thought, this is the key. We needed something real simple. We've done different evangelism trainings. They were all complicated. Nobody could remember all the verses. But once we introduced three circles, everybody gets it. Everybody gets it. It's like, oh, yeah, God designed a perfect world. We can see that. Most people believe there's a God. The world is broken. I don't even have to sell that. Right. Right. They live that. And hey, here's good news. God wants to redeem the world, bring it back to his original design. You have to put your faith in Jesus in that saving event, and then you get restored to God's original design. That happens over time, and then you also get to go back, and you get to share the good news with that broken world. Mm -hmm. It just makes sense. We train our staff. We train our deacons. You don't go on a mission trip unless you're trained in that. Last year, we trained all our VBS workers and saw a dramatic invitation, a dramatic increase in the number of children who responded. Wow. Mm. It just makes sense. So encouraging. So, And then I do think that whether you preach verse by verse through a book or whether you're topical, if you're a pastor, and I know there's a lot of pastors listening, you've got to have some clear evangelistic sermons that say, This is the step if you don't know Jesus. Mm -hmm. We can't just say, okay, I'm going to teach through this and never really issue that invitation to come to Christ. All right. So you have somebody, you invite them to know Jesus. What are you going to invite them to do next? This is painfully obvious, but for some (laughs) reason, people push back. The next invitation, the sixth invitation, is the invitation to be baptized. Now, here's one of the things that we've learned. To say to someone in a church culture, Jesus said, hey, be baptized. That works. In our culture, what we have to do is explain what baptism means. So we talk about baptism as a historical marker. It is a sign that something has happened in a life. Mm -hmm. And so we want to encourage people to take that step, be baptized, be identified. And what we are finding is that about, well, every week, like a lot of churches, we do a connect card and it says, hey, I believed in Jesus, I'd like to be baptized, call me. And we get about 25% of the people who are baptized in our church come through that avenue. And then, of course, we do a, a new members class. We call it Starting Point. Mm-hmm. And that gives us a great opportunity to sit down with people and talk to them about uh, taking a next step of believing in Jesus. Many of them have, but it is amazing that there are people who have not been baptized. And so out of that, we get about another 25%. About 50% of our baptisms come because we have a special invitation to a special event. I've been a pastor now almost 35 years. And I'm embarrassed to admit, I haven't preached very much on baptism. And so, so many people don't understand why it matters. But in the last two years, I have preached at least one or two sermons on why baptism matters. Mm -hmm. And then we tie that to a special baptism event. We have a a lake that's not far from us. I think you guys are close to some body of water. We're close to to water, no question. (laughs) Every campus Um, is close to water. Yeah. So, you know, we go down to the lake. This last year, we baptized 37 people in lake baptism. So great. And here's the really scary thing, Jimmy and and Leslie. 
one of the guys we baptized was one of our deacons. Wow. He, yeah. he had been a member of this church for years, and he was one of those guys that just kind of slipped through the cracks. And he came up to me and he says, you know, I've been a believer for years, and I'm a deacon, but I've always been embarrassed and ashamed. I've never been baptized. Wow. That's courageous oh, obedience. Man, yeah. yeah. Good for him, and good for yeah, you for inviting yeah, him to really, do it. really took a lot of courage, but there's something special about making it a special event. I'll tell you another time we have found really significant to do it is we will do it the Sunday before Christmas. And we structure the whole service that day so that the sermon comes early, the response is early, and then if you want to be baptized, you can be baptized right then. And people will come forward, they will go outside, they'll meet with one of our our team, sometimes a staff member, sometimes a deacon. They will hear a testimony. Many times we get a chance to go through the three circles, lead them to Christ right there. And then we have clothes for them to change into, and the service ends with them being baptized. That's an um, exciting tradition around Christmas, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And what we learn is some people are some people are really thoughtful, but there are some people, and it's not bad, but they just they make decisions spontaneously. Right. So you want to give them that chance, that opportunity. So you get somebody baptized. There's one more invitation that you want to give them. That's right. That's the invitation to actually follow Jesus. And when I talk about this. I help people understand that yet we all know, those of us in church world, that you accept Jesus and you're baptized. Yeah, you're supposed to follow Jesus. But still, I think many of our people think that getting saved is really about going to heaven. And so we want to invite people to actually take that next step and follow Jesus. Tony Morgan says that every church needs to have a clear discipleship process. And so what is your vision for people moving into a discipleship process? What's the marks of this person is showing some fruit? So for us, we have identified it in four quadrants. We want to help people know Jesus. And then once they encounter him, we want to help them know Jesus better. We want to help people know community, which means we want them to begin. Yes, yes, you're in a group to get your needs met. But now let's get down deeper where there are people able to speak truth in your life. Then there's grow character. You know, work your spiritual disciplines. Let's work on healing your hurts that are interfering with you, taking your next step to be like Jesus. And then the last one is go share. You know, find your way to share your story, share your resources, and share your spiritual gifts. And then we have behaviors that are tied to each one of those quadrants that we actually can measure and say, yeah, this person's actually engaged in these. Uh, or, you know, no, this person isn't. And some really smart people who understand data much better than I do actually enter this into our database so that we can look and say, hey, this guy's got three of our behaviors, but he's missing these two. Now we know how to help him in his discipleship journey. Now, I know that sounds a little overwhelming. You know, if you're the guy that I was in my first church, 30 of the bravest people got ever put on the face of the <laughs> But you can do this. You can just do this with pencil and paper. It's not that hard. Yeah, you can do it with a with a Google Sheet. You can do it with anything. And, exactly. And Clay, I just want to thank you for being willing to share this with our listeners. Leslie, I think this is just the most incredible conversation, don't you? Yeah, it's really, you? I mean, just so rich. And I love some of the things you've put into practice here that they are simple. That's what I like about it. It's simple, but it's very clear. And I think that that's probably the key to what you see happening there is the clarity that you have and the invite culture 
well, the clarity of the process, right. but then also the clarity of the thinking right. that drives the process. And Clay, I just love the fact that you're thinking about the why while you're explaining the what. And for all of our listeners, I mean, Clay just gave us so many different things. They're literally free. Mm-hmm. They're just a matter of intentionality. So Clay, thanks again for joining us at church for the rest of this. Before we close and before we sign off, I want to thank Lifeway Christian Resources for being a sponsor of this year's Sharper Conference, which we're hosting at Family Church in West Palm Beach. Lifeway distributes Bibles in the Christian Standard Bible or CSB Translation. It's an English translation that's faithful to the original languages without sacrificing clarity. They offer a wide range of study Bibles and even have a three circles Bible. You can find out more at csbible.com. And I would tell you to come to our Sharper Conference to get one, but online registration is closed. You may still be able to get a spot if you email Kim Wells at kwells at gofamilychurch.org. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.